0: see everybody here tonight you know uh, I'm uh, I'm proud of this church come on I'm proud of it Um, the number of years that we've been here um, the uh, the people that have come through here um, most importantly the the souls that have been saved because the truth has been preached the uh, lives that have been changed here and i know that we have plans you know moving forward in in different ways um but there's a lot of history here in this place a lot of history in this building and um i've become yeah 25 20 25 years thank god you sent me here and for a for a small church for a small church like this that started in a living room, and I was in that living room when it started. When it started, and to see the history behind it, and and no, we don't have a congregation of 300. We have a congregation on Sunday morning of maybe 60, uh, 65 on average. But that consistency of the truth being preached, falling on the ears, Re, uh, being received and then coming down to these altars uh, i'll I'll take consistency of truth in a small church any day over inconsistencies yes. of a large thing i' i've and I've, been, and I've been open about this before too i'm not that's not a knock against large churches at all I'm, I, that's that's not i'm I'm simply saying I am proud of what has been accomplished here and what the Holy Spirit has done here. It's something that I will always look back on and be proud that I was a part of this. Amen. Proud that I was a part of this small church. Proud that I was able to teach and preach in this church. Proud of, of the pastor that we have. Proud of the people that are sitting here tonight and sit on Sunday morning and make the sacrifice uh, day in and day out to just be good Christians. Amen. So um, I just wanted to say that. I just had to say that. So. Um, i will tell you a story as you're returning t- to Jonah. I want to I read some, some excerpts from a couple uh, scriptures tonight. Uh, this morning I was talking about, uh, just briefly, um, about second chances. <clears throat> I'll share a story with you real quick um, on those second chances and, and what God does for us. Back when Haven, I think Haven was like 12. I think she was 11 or 12 and she had been talking to us about having an Apple iPod. Now at that time, the technology was, it was, that's back really before streaming services and you had to download your music on the device itself. And so the iPod was kind of the, the pinnacle of technology. She'd been telling us that she wanted one and we were telling her that it was crazy talk because that was, with the, being the pinnacle, it's also the most expensive. So I think they ran about $200, $250. And so, um, she tells us one day, she got one. We're just like, how did you pull that off? Well, I bid on it, on eBay, (laughs) and I won. (laughs) And so, I went to go investigate this purchase. She did indeed bid on eBay. And you know, if if any of you have bid on eBay before, you know, if you've been outbid, it says you've been outbid. Well, she just kept clicking. Until she became the highest bidder. <laughs> <laughs> and she won. She won the iPod for like two hundred and fifty something dollars. And so I was not proud of her eBay prowess. I was like, I don't know how we're gonna get out of this one, because you know, all sales are final. You know how this works. And so I'm really upset, you know. I'm I'm gonna be a dad in this situation. I'm going to I'm gonna I've gotta come in and I have to enact punishment and i have to set things right and i'm i'm fiery because i'm pretty upset because there's 257 dollars you do not have and um i'm first the first thing i did was i made uh contact with the seller and i said this is my daughter she had no idea what she was doing this was a total mistake he didn't have to she didn't have to give me any refund whatsoever but they do they canceled the whole thing and i was able to keep mine they didn't send it so but i'm still i'm upset and i'm mad and so in the midst of my anger and frustration, I go to the Lord with it before I act out of anger and before I kind of lose it. I, and, I'm, and I said, I've got to, I've got to be a, a, a good dad. And I have to make sure that I, that I, that I make the, the punishment right for the circumstance. And I said this. I, I said this question. I posed this question to the, to the Lord. I said, what would you do? That's exactly what I said. And he spoke to me. I'm not making this up. I said that. To him and he spoke back to me he said I would give her another chance (laughs) when he said that it echoed through me and I recalled all the chances that he had given me over and over and over again (coughs) as him being my Heavenly Father and I just I stopped and I just thought about it for a minute and I said I just need to give her a second chance I don't need to be angry and and you know you think of how many times has the Lord acted out in anger against you Enact that in an anger against you. I cannot, I cannot be more thankful tonight of the God that we have that chides us and pushes us in the direction we need to go and helps us, even though he knows we can do better. Amen. He knows it. He said, I know you can do better. I know you can do better. And instead of handling us with anger, he gives us extra chances and he and he is still a uh He's a, he's a great God, but he's a great Father too. Amen. Amen. <laughs> he's a great Father. I wanted to share that story with you because because it, it plays into uh, in, it plays into my life uh, today. Um, it has been on my heart uh, the second chances uh, because we don't we don't really deserve a second chance, but we've been given one, Amen. and we've been given uh, two times a million. Amen. And God's still great. So Jonah. I want you to go to Jonah with me, uh, chapter 1. Do we agree uh, tonight that the enemy has stratagems? Yes. He does. He has stratagems. He has strategies. Um, One of the the things that he likes to do, and I'm going to... There's a lot of things that he has at his disposal as far as stratagems and strategies and things that he uses against God's people um, and I'm only going to come at one of those tonight, but we need to understand that you know when the when the scripture talks about the fact that he um, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that that is a literal statement. That it's literally out to steal, kill, and destroy everything that you have, and and. Um, Pastor was saying this morning that there's more than one way to steal. Really. And do you understand that the enemy steals in more than one way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that it's dynamic, and it's no credit to him, but you got to understand the way that he comes at us in order to defend it properly. It's, it's, if you don't know the direction the, the, the attack is coming from, then it's kind of hard to hold up the shield of faith in the right direction does that make sense it's very difficult to hold up the shield correctly if you don't know where the arrows are coming from and that's one of the things that the enemy to me has seemingly always prided himself on is his ability to fire arrows from multiple directions and if you're ignorant to what kind of arrows he's firing then you maybe only be able to block maybe one or two of them but the rest of them get through You know that the enemy fires more than one. He doesn't look at you and say, hey, you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to send a couple over. You got your shield up? No. We know the way he acts. The way He's he's coming at you unexpectedly, and he's going to try to change the angle as much as possible. And so one of the things that he does is that, um, and we talked about this before, is that he attacks the mind of the individual because the mind is directly connected to the emotions. Now, I, I, I'm, a big, um, I, I'm a big supporter of, of self-choice. There's no, there's no uh, denying that. Everybody knows that. I've, I've talked about that quite often. Uh, you're a, a, uh, many times a victim of your own creation. You've created your own problems by bad choices. I put that responsibility on you and me. Sometimes we just make bad decisions. Sometimes we're just bad decision makers. The enemy, though, the enemy is not limited... To um, just firing a simple dart, and I think sometimes we're we're uh, not understanding what that fiery dart is. These are attacks, literal attacks on the mind of the believer. Things that come in and infiltrate. You ever been infiltrated in your mind by a thought that come out of nowhere? You said, "Where did that thing come from? What's going on? What, where? Man, that keeps coming to me. Why does that keep coming to me? These are fiery darts." It's fueled by hatred fueled by this desire to try to kind of trip you up to try to disengage you to try to kind of pull you off and if the enemy can cause us to become unsettled that's really i mean he's got a lot of goals but the first goal is to get you unsettled because god's desire is that you live in peace so the, obviously if if the uh, if god's desire is for you to live in peace the enemy's goal is going to get you to be unpeaceful which doesn't necessarily mean that you're miserable. And I think that's the idea that many of us have, is that, oh, that means that I'm walking around miserable. We look often things maybe too black and white. No, the first step is to get you unsettled with your current condition. I've seen this so many times throughout the years. This is usually where backsliding starts. It's usually at the very beginning phases. And I I can't say that I I would necessarily write a book about it. But I've seen over the years different people come for help and come seeking seeking prayer, and we'll ask them questions, and you can always tell they're beginning to shift over just a little. They're starting to act differently. They're starting to pray differently. They're starting to read differently. They're not where they was before. And I notice this is that they become unsettled in the place that they're at. They're not happy no more they were once happy with the church that they went to they were once happy in the job that they were um a part of they were happy with the money they were making they were happy with all these things and then all of a sudden one day they stopped being happy with those things you start to see that they become um discontent with their situation I, I can tell you, there's been a lot of advice that a pastor and I have given over the years. And, and one of those things that we've, we've given over the years is just be patient. Just wait. Don't, don't get unsettled. Just wait. And I've, I've heard every excuse from, I don't want to let this opportunity go, um, to anger issues and all these things. But it all comes down to this one thing. They have been, I, I can see the attack. They don't know that it's a fiery dart from the enemy. They don't know what to do, and they begin to falter. These are thoughts that continually run in the mind. Now, are these choices? Yes, they're choices. But it's hard to know and hard to realize um, that that's the enemy. We think it's just a thought. Over the years, I've begun to realize and understand the difference between a thought and an arrow. I begin to see it a little bit differently. I've I've got thoughts, but my thoughts are not uh, um, so uh, how do I say this? So extreme, a fiery dart. Those thoughts they seem to be so extreme and so sharp. And I've started to be a, begin to tell the difference between a fiery dart and a simple thought. And the enemy he wants to begin to fire these darts, and hopefully, you don't know that you're being hit. And day in and day out, these thoughts are just churning in your mind, and you're thinking, and you're thinking, and you're thinking. I get tired of that stuff. It wears me out. So I want to take you to these scriptures here in Jonah. I want to show you something. Um, And we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm going to hit a couple other set of scriptures here in just a minute. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You see, Nineveh was the, uh, was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was the dominant force of the world of that current day. And so they were a major player in economy and all kinds of things that were going on. They were also extremely cruel people. And so Jonah has been called on to go tell them these cruel people. Not only are they just cruel, but they've been cruel to his people. So. When I read this, and if you study that, you kind of wonder why why does Jonah kind of, you know, why does he kind of want to leave the situation? It's because he's taking it personal. And all through the book of Jonah, Jonah took things personal. But here at the beginning, you can automatically see that he is emotionally invested in the people of Nineveh. And it's not in a good way. And so God comes in. He tells him, he said, hey, I've got a job for you. I need you to come and I need you to cry against the city. And what that meant was, I need you to go tell them that they are sinful and that they are doing wrong. Not a popular thing to do. Not a popular job to have. But that's what he's been given, is this task to go in and to to cry against it, to tell them that they're sinful, to tell them that they're doing the wrong thing, and, and hope to see some good results. I've tried to put myself in his shoes. I have. I've looked at these scriptures before and I said, what if that was me? Well, what if that was you? And God comes to you and he says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to tell the people that you cannot stand the most that I want to turn things around for their life. See, he's emotionally invested here. So what does he do? Well, he's, he becomes unsettled with this. And what does he do? Look look, look look, what he does in verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. If you have not studied, let me just say this, and I, I, I don't have it all down, I don't, I'm not trying to act like I do. If you have not studied Jonah and, and understand the culture and exactly what was going on there, you may not fully understand why he's leaving. Because you think, what is he leaving for? What's the big deal? There was a major investment for him. By doing this, he feels that there's a lot on the line here and he doesn't want to be a part of this. Even though these scriptures don't directly connect us to an enemy, this is exactly the situations that you and I get put in every day. The Lord confronts us. He tries to push us in the direction that we need to go. He, he says, hey, I've got, I've got something I need you to do or I've got a better way of life for you. And if it doesn't match up The way that we would like to see it, often we act just like Jonah. We become unsettled. We become discontent with our situation. I can honestly say by looking at these scriptures, Jonah was discontent. He was not content with going in there and telling them these things. He didn't like that idea. So when we become discontent and we we sell out to being discontent, we abandon. We leave it alone. No, I don't have nothing to do with that. No, I don't want to mess with that often some of the greatest blessings come for you and I by staying where we belong. You see, we've often talked about this in church before. Every one of our lives are governed by seasons. And seasons come and seasons go. But you have to to remember that the enemy, what he wants to do is he understands fully your commitment to the Lord. He understands it. He understands sowing and reaping. Do you know he understands that? He knows that blessings are coming your way. So in order for him to maybe steal that from you, he's got to get you to believe that the place that you're at is to be disregarded and you need to make a move in order to comply with the way that you feel. Jonah was thinking about the way he felt about the Denevites more than he was what God wanted to do for me. And that's often where we make our greatest mistakes, is that we're not really thinking about what God is wanting to do or the, the overall picture. What we want is our feelings validated. We want to know that, that we're not going to have to feel bad or we're not going to have to go through anything. That's not the way God works. Often God calls you and me into tough situations, Often God calls us into things that require us to be durable people. Durable. When I say durable, that means that your season could last years. Now I want to leave. I don't want to be here no more. But the season's not over yet. You see, what the enemy will do is, is the enemy will come in and he'll begin to batter your mind. You just need to leave. Quit. You ever heard that before? Quit? You just need to quit, get out. Go and quit that church. Stop messing with those people. You don't need to do that no more. Why would he do that? Why would he be an advocate for that? Because the season's not over yet. And if you quit the season before it's over, you're going to miss out on what the final outcome is supposed to be. You'll miss, in this case, and I'm not gonna go throughout through the book of Jonah, you'll miss the revival you'll miss the point where God actually takes the thing that you've been praying about and turns it. See, if he can get you to quit beforehand, if he can get you to stop before the season is actually over, he can get you to pull out, he does actually, that's his the, the easiest form of attack for him because all he has to do is convince you, you do the rest of the work. That's all he has to do. He didn't have to directly attack you. He didn't have to attack you with a a bunch of other people. He simply fired the darts. You accepted them, and you quit. And if you quit too early, you may not get to see God really work. I, I think there have been many times that I quit early, and I missed the mark. I missed it. And I wondered, well, what would have happened? I don't know. I don't know. I wish I I wished I would have known, but I don't know what that was. And I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what season of your life that you're in. And I, and I, I assuredly don't know the attack that you're going through. But I, I wanna tell you this because I believe, uh, this came to me, this message actually came to me last week. And I truly believe that this congregation and, and the people in this congregation are being attacked right here, mentally, to abandon certain things that God has put them to to get them to pull out early so it can't actually come to full fruition. Because whatever God begins, what does he do? He'll also finish what he starts. He'll finish it. But it requires a vessel in order for that to actually happen. And also the enemy knows that. He knows that it also takes a vessel. So what he, his object to do, the stratagem is to get you to grow unsettled and uncomfortable in your situation. What was once a place where you felt joy and comfortable, now not so much. Has the circumstances changed? Maybe. Maybe they have. Maybe your season is almost over, but maybe not. Maybe, Maybe it's not time to quit just yet. Maybe there's still a work to be completed. Maybe God is about to do his best work. Possibly. Maybe you've been praying for someone. And you've entertained the idea that maybe we shouldn't pray for them no more. They don't seem to be changing. <laughs> um, how many of you have, uh, are thankful for the people that prayed for you Amen. to Amen. see you i oh, well, we yes. Are thankful for a, a mother that prayed for us? Um... I'm thankful for uh, people that have uh, taken the time to not give up in those circumstances. And so I know that your, your situation can be very um, very difficult, but we need to, to uh, think, meditate upon God's will to make sure that we're following it correctly. All right, so he um, so fled uh, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, which was locationally in the opposite direction go <laughs> you want me to go here i want to go here that's the mo- that's the- that was his choice i got to go away in the opposite direction which tells me he definitely did not want to be a part of any of that that was not what he wanted um, he paid the fare and he went down into in the, um, uh, to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord so we know that he um, I was looking at this too he um, see if I can find it he went down to Joppa he found a ship he went down into the ship he just kept going down If you read the scriptures he went down 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 And so we know the story right you know the story of Jonah you know that God had prepared prepared a whale and, and it's a famous story because he was swallowed by a whale do you realize that he was never supposed to be swallowed by a whale that was actually plan B plan A was that he just was obedient. Yeah. Yeah. The, the story, you know, if you read it like a like a story and you look at it, it becomes so entertaining that you forget that was never actually supposed to happen. There was never supposed to be a well. Had there been obedience, there would have been total success and never had to live in the, the belly of a fish. There there are many people living in the belly of a fish today. And I I, I say that you know symbolically, they they're trapped in a place of total disobedience to God they it's and it's not even let me say it like this this is the way it comes to me <clears throat> it's not even extreme at times a lot of times we find ourselves in predicaments that are awkward not ne- not necessarily because we had this big disobedience or we just denied God altogether sometimes it, it's just like the Bible says it's the small foxes that spoil the vine so it's these small forms of disobedience it's not fully listening to God when he speaks it's like, I listen to him a little bit, but not all the way, you know? And so a lot of our problems come from this half-hearted obedience. I, I, I don't look at it just as disobedience, but half-hearted obedience. It's that we commit to God, but not entirely. I love God, like 98%. Almost enough to do everything he says. <laughs> Almost enough to stay hooked which is the door that the enemy needs to batter you with. Just enough, just enough. So we, we, we know that he was vomited up on shore after he repented and he goes and he cries against the, uh, the Ninevites and they repent. And everybody lives happily ever after, right? Is that the way it went? No, that's not the way it went. What happened? Jonah got upset. Was he upset about? Well, what he was upset about was because there was this like this hope inside of him that God would act that they would not accept him, there would be no revival, and that God would rain fire down and destroy them all. So it kind of motivated him. I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway. So he does it, he acts in obedience, and God begins to work and save them all. Mm -hmm. And this upset him so bad. And once again we find discontent in Jonah. He's upset again. He's he's uh, now ready to just die according to scripture. So the scripture said he said it would be better for me if I would just die. I always love his theatrical stuff too because Jonah was great. He was theatrical. I mean he was he, it was like a play was going on. but you and I are just as theatrical. you and you and I are, are, are just the, the, the same type of person um, that we're ready to give up on the drop of a hat. Oh it just didn't work out. Church. There's something about, especially in these last days, these last days, last days, that's going to require you to be durable. It's gonna require you to be durable. We've had, uh, I said this this morning, and I, and I think it'd be good for, for just repeating just for tonight. Um, we've had some good times, haven't we? Mm-hmm. As Americans, we've had some good times. Um, we've had some privileges that just simply no one else has, has ever had um, on the face of the planet. And we've had those privileges. It's been really good. But there very well could be some times coming that's going to test our durability as God's people. Really. I mean, I'm, I'm not even just saying that for the service. There's going to be some things that might test your mettle, so to speak. And I hope we're ready for that. I really do. I, I hope we're ready uh, to take that on. I hope we've got some durability. And I hope that we're, we're not so invested in ourselves that we can't actually see... The will of the Lord. That there's there's more to this picture than just what what we want. All right, now I want to show you something real quick. Let's go to uh, Romans 12:2. Just take a look at that. As a matter of fact, I may just have somebody read that. John, you can go to Romans 12:2, brother. MEV version but do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God Okay, Uh, we all know that scripture right if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian uh, any amount of time you know that the key is being uh, uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind do you not think that the enemy knows this too he knows the process He understands that you've been transformed, and he understands that in order for you to continue to be successful spiritually, that you'll have to stay there. You gotta stay in that mind renewal, stay there. So his object is to counteract that. How does you counteract that? To try to get the mind to be thinking the way the old man used to think. To take you back to the old thoughts. Um, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I'm gonna go ahead and, I'm not gonna take you into details, um, but maybe some of you have been through something similar. Um, I've had, I've given forgiveness to people before. Forgiveness, it's done. I'm squashing that thing. I'm done. And a month later, these thoughts start coming into my mind to try to get me to unforgive them. What? Why would you? Why would that be? Why would that be something? He's trying to get me to go back. Trying to get me to dwell on the thing that was done. Hey, you might not want to let that one go. Think on that one. Do you see what they did? Do you hear what they said? You sure passed that off too quickly. You might want to think about that. might be worth holding on to. That's the way the enemy works. Let's go back and pick it back up again. This is why protecting the mind is so important. Protecting the mind from spiritual attack. Recognizing the thoughts when they hit you because I assure you, church, that that thought has a, an actual plan behind it. It's not just some random thing, it's not just like, well, you've been identified uh, as a Christian, so our job is to throw fiery darts at you with no particular aim, we're just gonna attack you. No, that's not the way this works. It's not the way this works. The, the enemy's uh, attacks are orchestrated. Not only are, not only are they orchestrated, the enemy's attacks are deliberate. Did you know that? <clears throat> Did you do you realize that the enemy's ta- tactics are deliberate against you individually because the enemy does not have enough resources to just attack anybody randomly. It doesn't work that way in the spiritual realm because he's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. Which what does that mean? He's not everywhere at one time. He's not like God. He has limited resources, so he has to pick and choose who he attacks, and when he does it, and how he does it. So it's orchestrated. So there's, there's, and we know this from the word, that there are hierarchies. And the way this is, is this dispatch from the top goes down, those demons tell those imps, and those imps carry out the actual attack itself and what that attack will be. It's deliberate. So think about it like this, entertain this thought. The enemy actually has it out for you every single day and your name is actually on a ledger of some sort. I don't know exactly how it looks in the spirit realm, but some sort of a ledger that there's going to be some sort of plan against you to try to get you to become unsettled, unhappy, and dislodged from the place that God has planted you. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's the plan. Steal, kill, and destroy. All forms of stealing, killing, and destroying. And so if i'm thinking that i know this right i know he's got it out for me so why am i not going to make sure that my prayers are god protect my mind let me see these thoughts when they enter my mind help me to get them out when they come in that's a major thing because all it takes is one we start thinking on something and then we start taking it in and we start we, it begins to run, and then we begin to breathe life into it. And before too long, it's out of control. And now that thought that was not a, not a thought anymore, now it's actually brought to life. What you think and the thoughts that go through your mind do matter. They do matter. Okay, let's go to, uh, let's go to First Samuel <coughs> chapter 8. Right before 1 Samuel, you've got Ruth, and then before that is Judges. And so the fact that <clears throat> Israel was ruled by Judges for a period of time matters in the story, and I want you to watch this. <clears throat> Verse 1 of chapter 8, 1 Samuel. And it came to pass when Samuel was old, and he made his sons Judges over Israel, which at that time was ordinary for that, for that to happen. Now the name of his firstborn was uh, Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were Judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, or money, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, you are old, and your sons walk not in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Now see, the thing was is that God had put the judges in place. This was the way that he had chosen to rule Israel was through judges. Now what had happened was, is because these these particular judges that they were dealing with, this kind of goes to show that everything kind of plays together, especially in leadership, that they had grown frustrated by what these judges were doing, and they said, we don't want judges no more. Sorry, what do you want? We want a king. Everyone else has a king. Why can't we have one? Well, that's a problem because God said that he wanted judges, not a king. That's important because the people had said, I, we don't really care about the what was instituted because that was an institution. We don't really care what was instituted. We just want a king and we want to be ruled like everyone else. You know, look what it says. <clears throat> and I love the fact that he said that you're old. <laughs> he said, you're old. <laughs> your sons don't walk in your ways. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, "Give us a king to judge us." And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, "Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them." Whoa. What happened there? They become discontent with judges. This. Well, think about. You got to think of it like this. The season wasn't over yet. Of judges, it wasn't time for that. It, it was not time for the people to have a king just yet. It wasn't time yet, but the people said, No, no, you're gonna give us a king. It's like, Well, the season's not really over yet. And then the Lord's like, You know what? It's fine, give them what they want. Go ahead, give them a king. That's what they want because they haven't actually rejected you, they've rejected me. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. If you and I leave our season early. What have we really done? You say, well, are you saying we've rejected God? No, not necessarily, but we may be showing mistrust. Maybe we're showing a bit of lack of faith by saying, you know what, I don't wanna do this anymore. This is not really my thing. This is what the people were really saying. It's not our thing anymore to do judges. We don't want judges anymore. We want a king to rule over us. And if you read the story, you'll know that they got Saul and he was this really tall guy. Um, That come from this particular tribe that were they were known for being warriors, and this was kind of their ideal guy I mean he was kind of like their poster boy And when they got him everybody cheered and it was great and God even anointed him uh, To to do the job that he had and it worked for a little while but at the end his true colors shone. And it began to crumble right in front of him not it got so bad that he tries to kill the successor that God had planted over and over and over again <laughs> that's pretty bad That's a mess all because it wasn't time to leave just yet not just yet so I said all that I want to tell you this tonight that a, a lot of you are we got we got some we got a lot of things that are going on in our world today and, and I, I'm making changes in my own family you're making changes in yours But I want you to understand that God still has a plan for your life. There's still a plan. Now, we've been talking about some really hard topics in here on Wednesday night. We've been talking about some hard subjects. Uh, We've been talking about economy, the fear of of the dollar collapsing. Uh, Our government seems like they're just crazy. And and I think that overwhelms us at times. Church, God still has a plan for your life. Amen. Even even, Even if you're president. It's just it's making bad decisions. It's okay. God's still in control. Yes. He still has a plan for your life. Yes. And, and I get discontent sometimes. Now I want to abandon the plan. It's like I got a better plan. I'm going to go over here and do this. This is going to be better. Don't make any rash decisions without consulting the Lord first. And understand that he is still in control understand that God's plan is still better than our plan. And even with the things that are going on, and even with the, the situations that look bleak, and we've we, we wondered about our future, and we wonder what's ahead for our children, even with all of those things, God's plan is still better. Mm-hmm. It's still better. So, I'll leave you with one scripture tonight, and I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, chapter 4, verse 11 uh, says this. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am there with to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. The, this scripture, it, it really echoes... Um, the, the basis of where we need to be as believers to stay consistent with God. And it's going to be being content. And what uh, Paul was telling the Philippians there was, he said, he said, I've learned how to, to rejoice when things were prosperous. I've also learned how to handle it when I'm not doing so good and there's no money. I've learned, um, and in whatever situation I'm in, how to be okay if I'm full and how to be okay when I'm hungry. No matter what, I'm okay. That's some powerful scriptures for us today. And I've I've talked about, um, the Lord gave me some message not too long ago about uh, the the mind and our thoughts and thinking. But I want you uh, to, to remember this tonight. This isn't just about thinking tonight. This is about the attack that the enemy is bringing to God's people to get us to depart from the current plan that God has for our life. To come up with another plan. Or maybe a substitute of a plan. Or maybe a compromise of a plan. But not to stay with the current plan. That's what the enemy's doing. Is he's trying to uproot and cause an upheaval in God's people to get us to abandon God's current plan. We should hold where we're at. Hold. You think, well, if you was thinking, I thought, well, I'm going I'm to change this or I'm going to change that. Pray about it. Pray about it. If it's your season to change, then change. But don't depart from where God has put you because of a thought. Just because of a thought. It won't be worth it. God's got great things in store. There are, there are times ahead of us when we look and we think, um, I don't know how you can say there's great times ahead. I'm talking about in the Spirit. I'm talking about in the Spirit. It's about time that we get back to that anyway. It's about time that we get back to enjoying our prayer times and getting back to where where we're really enjoying time alone with the Lord. And it's not just a job, and it's not just just an obligation, but we do it because we want to be close to Him, because we want to have a relationship with Him. It's going to matter in these days. Would you stand tonight? Father, tonight, Lord, we just thank you, God, for letting us gather. And, Father, we know the attacks are real. Father, you've given us this word tonight, Lord. I pray, Father, that we open our eyes, God, to the the, the real attack of the enemy. And, Father, that we're aware that the enemy is trying to dislodge us from you and trying to uproot your plan. Father, I pray that we become vigilant and that we resist this in Jesus' name, that we resist the attack of the enemy according to James 4.7, And, Father, that we understand that we have authority through you. Father, I pray, God, that we begin to notice these these detrimental and contradictive thoughts when they come in. Father, help us to be vocal and to stand our ground, not just in the physical, but also in the spirit realm, that we stop being bullied by the enemy. Father, help us to be consistent in prayer, to be consistent in word, And, Father, I pray that that would cultivate something beautiful within us, Lord. Help us, God, to cling to you in these last days. Thank you for Rock Harbor. Thank you, God, for letting us go to a church like this, Lord. Thank you, God, that we can gather here, these wonderful people, Lord, that we can learn your word, and that we can enjoy fellowship with each other, Father. We give you praise and thanks, God, for what you are doing. And, God, I pray for protection upon our children. Keep them safe throughout this week, Lord. Bless This congregation, Lord, on the job, at the house, Lord, in their relationships, Father. And God, help us to to keep doing kingdom things for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.